The rest of you can turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Kind of doing a mini-series in the midst of Revelation, looking at how are we, even though we face some of the same deceptions from the devil, as are talked about in Revelation, how do we stay undeceived, so to speak, and he's focusing on walking in Christ thankfully, and we looked specifically at the thankfulness aspect last week, and uh, hopefully your prayer life and your life in general overall uh, was more thankful this week, that you were thankful for what God has done. And he talks in Colossians 2 obviously about the fact that we have been, we're thankful for the fact that our hearts have been, in a sense, circumcised, that we've been baptized into Christ, that we now have a desire to love Christ, and that he, we're filled in him, we're set up to rule and reign with him. And this is the, the, becomes the fundamental reality of our life, and so we, we should be thankful for that. And uh, I do want to stop for a second and uh, just recognize um, we have a new... Uh, almost doctor in the house, um, Dr. Scallon now, you know, passed his demon thesis, so to speak. He's got to turn it all in, but you can congratulate him for all the work he did, right? Good job. Uh, his his uh, thesis is on uh, why do people leave the church, especially uh, why do children leave the church, and it touches on the subject we're getting into that Paul is dealing with here in Colossians chapter 2. The idea of, of legalism. That the children sometimes leave the church not because they uh, hate Jesus per se. But they, how their parents run their families in a sense becomes a... Uh, it controls, it, they feel controlled. They feel not alive and free, but controlled in a sense. And, and so sometimes what children do is they don't see Christ in the midst of that. They walk away from Christ, unfortunately. And it's, it's, this is an interesting subject because if I was, probably if I was Paul, I probably would have just said, walk in Christ, thankfully, and skipped Colossians chapter 3 and said, this is how you do it. You know, you need, you need to put on Christ, you need to, you know, walk in love toward one another, forgive one another, bearing with one another, uh, walk in love and walk in peace. Like, just do these things. But Paul knows that there's a, a subtle danger that's present, not just in the Jews, but just in the hearts of mankind, that, as we looked at last week, is wrapped up in kind of trying to live by the rules. And... And his goal is to help them see the subtle difference that comes in between living a life in Christ, walking thankfully in him, and living, even if you say, I'm following Christ, but really you're relating to Christ according to the law and not according to the death and resurrection that you are baptized into. And he wants, it, it is a subtle difference, I'm going to try to help you see it, here as we look in the text, because we all have this tendency, I do as well, and I'll talk a little bit about my experiences with this, that uh, to live not based on what Christ has done for us and in him, but live based on uh, law and, and relating to one another based on the law. And so I've, 
kind of work the text here a little bit. Hopefully you can read this. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Um, uh, if you want to turn to your Bibles there and you can see the coloration. So I marked it, as you can see the colors there, I marked it green for where we're talking about how do we walk in, walk in Christ? How do we, how do we live in him? What, what is he talking about here? And then I marked it blue because he's, he's, he's just as it says there in verse 6, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving, there's a certain amount of truth that we live according to. That if you don't have the truth, if you don't see the truth, you can't live according to it. And so uh, he's saying there's a truth that you need to live in in order to walk in Christ. And then there's a, there's a challenge in the next verse, right? He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elementary principles or spirits of the world, okay? And when Paul uses that phrase, he's referring to the law every time he uses it. He doesn't just use it here in Colossians, he uses it other places. And he's saying there's a, there's a captivity that comes, a deception that comes from living even though you say, oh, okay, I know Christ and I know what he's done for me, but living, relating to him, if you will, according to the law, according to these elementary principles of the world and not according to Christ. And so I, I, those three colors are going to, you're just going to see, uh, you're going to see their interplay as we work through the text, okay? And so I'm just setting up so you can understand it if you need to look at your Bibles because you can't see it up there on the screen. I don't mind, okay? So, so let's just start in verse 6. It says, Therefore, as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanks. So his goal here, again, is that they walk in what they have received, right, in Christ. They've been established in Christ. Now they need to live it out. And he's saying the danger to that is see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or human, human thought about how this should go, an empty deceit. It looks, it has a form, but there's nothing inside of it. According to human tradition, according to the elementary, elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And, and, and instead of the form without any substance, in Christ you have form and substance. It's a, deity is fully present in the body of Christ. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So that purple there, I'm, I'm marking a little different because I want you to see that one of the goals of walking in Christ is that we would be, we'll be able to rule and reign with him, right? So there's a, there's a goal in mind here when we walk with Christ, that we can rule and reign with him. Um, in him, also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So here he's just explaining again, these are the truths that you've been taught in Christ that you need to be thankful for, which we looked at primarily last week, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. And I could put the whole, this whole verse in blue. I just thought, well, I'm not going to mark the whole thing in blue. Okay, it's just, but you understand where I'm going here. In which you were also raised with him through faith powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So you hear, you have the, the circumcision that, that is made without hands. How is it made without hands? By the Spirit baptizing us into Christ. We're placed into Christ. And what does that mean to be placed into Christ? Into his death. We're dead to sin. 
and we're made alive to God, right? We're, we're part of his death and his resurrection. It echoes Romans 6 here, if you're, if you're thinking of another passage of scripture. Uh, and so, uh, so you have both of these operate. This is, this is what, how you've been separated. And in, in essence, what he's saying here is this means that your heart desires to love God. You've moved from being stubborn, saying, I want my own way, to, as a Christian, you desire to love God. You desire to obey him. Now, do we do that perfectly? Do that we do that uh, extensively? No, not all the time, right? We still have uh, other things operating within us, unfortunately, and he'll talk about that. But, but this is who we are in Christ now. And, and then he repeats it again. He's, it's so important, he repeats it. He repeats it because he's worried, again, he's concerned about the deception of the law. So he relates what we have in Christ to the law, okay? That's what he's doing in the next, by repeating it again, but saying it a little different. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's going all the way back to the beginning again, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses, and here's the relationship to the law, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And actually, in the Greek, it could be translated in him, that is in Christ, or in the cross. Both are valid ways of looking at it, because it's in the cross that, the, the, that Christ triumphed, right? And so, what he's saying here, again, just what we, we're thankful for is we are forgiven, we have been made alive, we are now in, a, in an intimate relationship, a loving relationship with God. Again, not on the basis of what we've done, or what we can accomplish for God in the future, but on the basis of Christ dying on the cross for us, and him, God, taking the, the, the record of debt, the law that stood against us with its legal demands, and nailing it to the cross. And all Christians should say, hallelujah, right? Because this is the basis for why we are, know we are forgiven, because the, the law no longer stands between us and God, saying, you failed, you failed, you failed, you're guilty. Instead, we have the joy of knowing that it's nailed to the cross, that Christ died in our place, taking our sin upon himself, and conquering that sin by dying and then rising again. And again, going back to this concept of who rules over us then, it says, no longer does the law or Satan rule over us any longer. He disarmed, or literally it's disrobed, the, the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. They no longer have authority over us as believers. And so this is the, the basis then by which he's going to say, He's going to switch to, again, helping us not be deceived. He says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Okay? Let no one judge you. Why is he saying that? Partially because, again, you are in Christ. You're set up to rule and reign. You're not set up to be under someone now, besides Christ. There's no other rulers over you. He's saying, don't let anyone else judge you because you're under Christ, right? And in, he says, in questions of food and drink, right, with, with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, like they, they offer sacrifices all the time according to the law why, to, to, to make sure that they were right with God. 
They kept the Sabbath. It's not a bad thing to, to rest, to take a day of rest, but it was a legal demand that you do in order to relate correctly with God. And so, not wasn't just Jews, but again, we'll look at we'll see how this operates a little bit later. It's, it's mankind operates this way. They put rules in place when they think they need success. And notice what he says. These are a shadow of things to come. What's interesting here is if I was writing it, again, I would probably say these are things, a shadow of things to, of, of, of past, right? There is an essence of the law here that's pointing not just to Christ, but also to the full expression of Christ in heaven. Right? When you get to, one of the interesting things when we get to the end of Revelation is that the New, New Jerusalem is described as a cube, 1,500 meters this way, 1,500 meters this way, 1,500 meters that way, or, you know, cubits. Uh, and uh, the, the only other thing described as a cube in Scripture is the Holy of Holies. It's kind of an interesting, just kind of there's a reflection there between the law and not just Christ, but also, ultimately, Christ fully ex- ex- explained and glorified. So, but, and so these, he's just saying, if you're going to, th- these are a shadow, however, of things to come. They're just a shadow. They're, like, why would you sh- sit here and let shadows judge you? Like, behavior, decide if you're good or bad, condemn you or excuse you. Why would you let shadows do that? That's kind of what he said, because he says, the substance belongs to Christ. Again, where we need to walk in Christ in that. I'm gonna, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, which is the, the, the idea of, hey, you just gotta, gotta say no to yourself a lot, right? Like, asceticists, you know, often, like, will take cold showers. Why? Because it's, you know, I know it's, it's more comfortable to take a hot shower, right? And so I'll take a cold shower to, you know, and it's, it's beat up my body a little bit, right? And he's saying, that, that, that's not, uh, that, that kind of approach to religion is again a law approach it's relating to God and others based on law saying the only way you're acceptable to me or to, to God is if you live this way the worship of angels is a reference again to the law because the Jews believed that the, the, the angels mediated the law to Moses right after he was up on the mountain he saw the example but then he had to write it down and he had to and they believed that the angels did that so when it says worship of angels it's talking about a worship of the, the angels bringing the law. Again, it's, it's a reverence for the law kind of aspect. Going on in detail about visions. Puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. Again, he's, they're, 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 they're at, here they're adding to the law with their own thoughts and what they, their, the, the spiritual experiences that they've had. And, and notice the difference here. And not holding fast to the head, right? He's saying, Look, you have to stay connected to Christ. You have to walk in Christ. You have to stay established in who Christ is. That's what you need to do. Um, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through which joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. I know we're kind of flying through the text, but I'll come back, all right? Stay with me. You'll be like, okay, oh, what about this point? What about that point? Just stay with me a little bit longer. Okay, here we go. Uh, if, I, if with Christ you died, again, he's, well, this is who you are in Christ now. You died to the elemental spirits of the world, the elemental principles of the world. This, this, this no longer controls you any longer. Why as if you were still alive in the world? <laughs> if you died, 
why do you still act like you're still living in this environment that controlled you before? Do you submit to regulations? Notice it's a, that, that idea of who rules over you. Is it Christ or is it something else, right? Why do you submit to regulations if you're in Christ? Do not, he gives examples, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. He's, again, he's, he's saying th- these things become twisted when they're not related to Christ. And you say, well, well wait a second, are we supposed to, you know, uh, not sin, right? Like, we're all supposed to fight sin and not sin, yes. And he's going to get there. But again, how you fight sin as a Christian is different from living under the law. And he's trying to make this difference here. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, right? Because in a sense, what you'd be doing in this arrangement is you'd be saying, well, you know, if you don't take cold showers like me, and if you don't read your Bible an hour a day like me, and if you don't, um, if you don't spend time trying to meditate on God and, and hopefully get a vision of who he is, if you, don't, uh, if you don't, you know, kind of beat your body up on a regular basis, so to speak, so that you're denying the flesh, then you're not as good as me. Like, you know, like you're not, you, don't, you don't love God like you should. Like, you don't really have a good love of God at all. You're not spiritual, you know? And it's to, to make that kind of judgment, to, to step into authority over others in a way that he's saying it actually has no value. Because he says, and he's, here's his key point, at least on the negative side, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. He's saying, full stop. This does not work to kill sin. This does not work to stop the flesh. You can think, well, I'm taking cold showers and I'm doing all these things to stop my flesh from desiring the wrong stuff. It actually doesn't work. It, it can kind of work in the sense that you stop doing the things you, want, you, you thought you wanted to stop. The problem is your heart's still the same. You haven't gotten to the heart. You haven't gotten to the, what you really desire. You've just kind of papered over it or caged the tiger, so to speak. Your heart hasn't changed. Notice, here's the positive side. If then you have been raised Christ, set your mind on things that are above. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here's where Christ is. He's ruling and reigning right now even with God, waiting for God to bring in the kingdom and for him to set it up. But even now he's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above in heaven, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died with Christ and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is who you are now. It's not fully revealed everything that you're going to be, but your life is there. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and I could put this in purple, then you also will appear with him in glory, right? Here's, here's the end goal, that you rule and reign with Christ in glory. And until that happens, he's just changed the categories. He's changed the categories from law, which is, did you keep the law, and you're guilty if you don't, to what's heavenly versus what's earthly. And he's going to, a little bit later in Colossians chapter 3, he's going to say, hey, put off the old man, the old self, and put on the new self. He's like, go, your identity has changed. You're a new person. 
You're in heaven now. You're, in that sense, you're ruling and reigning with him. That's where you're headed. And so you have to think that way and not let the, the, the law rule you. So how do, how do we tease this out? What is he saying? How can I kind of help you to understand it? So the first, the first point I'd like to make is don't let the law control your relationships. Don't let the law control your relationships, right? He's saying, in order to live this out properly, let no one pass judgment on you. Let no one disqualify you. He's saying you become deceived, taken captive by the elementary principles of the world if you live by letting the law control your relationships. What does he mean by that? Well, again, and I, I, I want you to see, first of all, that, again, we're not just talking about, like, Jewish religion or Old Testament law. He's, by, by, by saying the elemental principles of the world, he's saying this is how not just religious people operate sometimes, this is how the world operates without Christ. Like, have you ever thought about the fact that, like, okay, let's just say that you have some wealthy friends in, in, the, in the community or maybe at school, and you know what, to be a to hang out with them, to be a part of them, you know what, there are certain rules you got to follow, right? You got to dress a certain way. You got to act a certain way. Why? Because to be a part of that group, you got to follow their rules. People operate the way this all the time. I've got a video from Studio C, which is a a Mormon company. So it's, again, it's not Christian, but again, because they're not Christian, they don't think by grace, they think by law, okay? And this is a, just a classic example of kind of a law relationship. So listen to this clip. We got it there. Are you serious? I'm telling you, sweetheart, I've only been playing Halo for like 15 minutes. Really? So the fridge is still broken because you just stared at it for three hours? Don't be so upset. Just answer me. Okay, Mom. What did you say? said, okay, John, because I have to use the John. The John, John is the word I said. Was that what he said? I'll go fix the fridge. Yeah. Oh, hey, Scarlett Johansson. Were you checking out these bad boys? Don't worry, Scarlett, I'll get your dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is everyone out of the burning building? You know, I too have been told I have sensational lips. Matt, your mom's waiting in the car. What's going on? Nothing, Dad. This is detailed. Mr. President, I have an important memo for you to sign. Mr. President? Mr. President? I can forge it. It's just for Congress. What? Vice President Joe Biden? What are you doing here? You can't sign that for the president. Not good. I'll get you for this. And that is how I accomplished my nefarious plans. Joke's on you, De Leon. 
This entire conversation has been documented in the court of law. What? Watching that sketch. Thanks. So, the, the inconvenience of the law, right? That, that uh, in a sense, our words are recorded. The things that we, we wish we hadn't said, they're still there. And if we relate to one another based on the law, what, what he's saying here is that, that we're, we're passing judgment on one another. We're seeking to, 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 to control one another rather than getting to the heart of the issue. And that creates... Uh, that creates a certain kind of response, right? You've got two responses, really, if the law controls your relationship. The first example is pride. And you see this, for instance, in the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They, they, kept, they controlled all of their relationships by the law. They kept the law. They demanded anyone else that was going to relate to them keep the law. And in Matthew 23, Jesus says this to them. He says, then... Jesus said to the crowds and, and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Again, they, they, they have the, they carry the authority of the law. He says, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. And here's, so this is, again, the, the, the pride response is, you know what, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well here. I, I'm keeping the law. You, you can see me and see what I do and, and, and notice how I, I fulfill the law. You know, notice me. That's what the Pharisees did. And he lists off in the next few verses all the ways they try to attract attention. Say, look at me. Look at how great I am, okay? But his condemnation of them, right, was... Ultimately, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. They're saying, he's saying, hey, you need to keep the law. <laughs> if you don't, you're condemned. But they don't help with it at all, right? Which isn't what Christ did, right? Christ said, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? His goal is to help them both, in a sense, his, his goal is to fulfill the law, keep the law for them so they can have rest, and then they can live in a, what you might call a living relationship rather than a law relationship. And so that's why he's, he's saying here, like, this is not the way you want to live. Notice how he goes on in verse 8. He says, but you are not called to be rabbi, and uh, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. He's like, look at the relationship you have, I mean, this echoes exactly what Colossians chapter 2 is saying. Like, look at your relationship. What is the relationship you have now that you're in me? He's like, you're all brothers now. Then call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. He's like, this is who, again, he's, he's tying them back to himself, walk in me rather than tying them to a, a con condemning relationship or a prideful relationship with the law. And that's why he goes on to say, the greatest among you shall be your servants. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is, this is his goal. He's, he's just saying his goal is to move them from a kind of living based on law to living, living in him, a, a life relationship, a living relationship. And, and so... The, the other response is, is not just pride, but shame. 
where you hide, where you're like, oh, I am guilty. You know, it's, it's like the, in the first clip where the guy's like, you're not my mom, you know, right? And then he's like, you know, ashamed because he, you know, changed the relationship in a sense. And, and, and we hide, we, you know, the other, you see that in the first clip too. He's like, I've been only on the video game 15 minutes, right? That's what happens with shame is you, you hide the problem. I didn't fulfill what I needed to do, fix the, fix the refrigerator, <laughs> but, but defend that I only was on the game for 15 minutes. Again, you're, you're hiding. It's, it's just, you're, you're hiding because you feel ashamed. And God's goal is not for us to walk in shame in Christ. His goal is, is that we, we would be able to walk in Christ in joy and in love, right? I was thinking about this. How do I explain this? Um, when you're this child, you, uh, you're fairly legalistic, actually, just to be self-confessional. I'm the oldest child of my family. And, uh, and you, you think that you're good when you're in your home because you, you keep your parents' commands better than your siblings. Never mind the fact that they're younger than you, they don't have as much experience as you, they don't have as much talent and, and ability as you to keep, keep your, your parents' commands, but you're proud. You're, you're a legalist, in a sense, in a lot of ways. And that was me, you know, I said. My brother, on the other hand, was 18 months younger than me. He, he was not a legalist. He thought, you know what, I can, I can pretty much live my life. Um, and he had a stash of star crunch in high school that my parents never found out about for years you know you know star crunch right like the the chocolate things with you know i don't know i I didn't like them but i was jealous right because i knew he had the star crunch i knew my parents didn't know and i was like oh man how can he get away with that that's just terrible you know i would never do that you know and, and he, he, he lived in, in shame, in a sense. The, the, the challenge was is that over time, my parents did find out. They didn't take it away. They didn't like, oh, they dealt with the, the deceit, you're lying to us, etc. But, but instead, they let him have it. Which, to me, I'm like, what in the world? You know, I keep the rules, he doesn't, and he gets to keep his stash of Star Crunch? That is totally bogus, you know what I mean? Like, I'm living by the law, right? The, the difference is, is that, like, over time, my brother has a better relationship than I do with carbs. Like, I just struggle with, like, a, if I see a Star Crunch, I'm like, I got one of those, even though I hate them. Why? Because when you live according to the law, it's this love-hate relationship with the rules, you, when you're keeping them, you're great. But when your desires are like, well, just break it because it'll taste good. It'll be good. You're like, oh, okay. You just boop, 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 boop. Eat a star crunch. Oh, it's so great. And then, wait, you just broke the law. You know, it's like, it's this love or hate relationship. It destroys you. My brother on the hand of the hand, because he lived, like saying, you know what? I'm going to take charge of this. You know, uh, it sense what, what happens a lot with kids, just parents just realize this. Your treat, the law is a lot like... Paul says this in Galatians, the law is like trying to take a child and raise them up to a certain stage, right? And the law is supposed to do that for us until we get to Christ. 
And, and one of the ways that the law does that, right, is it, is it, it keeps you like a child, but as you, as, as you grow older, you're like, I want to become an adult now. And kids in various ways, at various points in time, they, they, they do things unexpectedly for their parents, like say, you know what, I think I can be in charge of this part of my life now. And sometimes they go to their parents and they say, I want to do this, and sometimes they hide it, right? But their, their goal is in some ways to take it over, to say, hey, I want to run it and, and seek to run it well and, and face the consequences if I don't. And parents are like usually a little freaked out when it first happens, you know, like, what? You wanna, you're going to fail. Like, you've been failing all along, and now you want to take charge? Like, what's up with that? But the whole point is, is that the, when they start to take charge and take ownership of it, they, they start to realize, okay, if you're a good parent, you're coming alongside of them and saying, okay, you know, you could either, this can run well, or this can run poorly. Let's talk about how, how you can run this in Christ versus how you can run this and destroy yourself and get, you know, totally overweight eating Star Crunch every day, all day long, and get sick, you know? And, and so over time, my legalistic approach to just not eating Star Crunch never helped me, right, to figure out how do I handle eating things, you know, in a way that honors my body and honors Christ. And the whole goal here of Paul is he's trying to move them away from just being like, Love-hate relationship with the law. This is what's got a rule. You're condemned if you keep, if you don't keep it, you're okay if you do. And he's trying to move them away from that. Why? Because he knows it doesn't work. He's like, it doesn't actually kill sin. It doesn't change your heart. It doesn't help you to love God appropriately in the right way. Uh, hopefully that illustration makes sense. Because we all face that challenge to kind of take, whether it's uh, uh, in relation to, you know, sexual desires or our food desires or our um, desires for success in life, we, we run up against this challenge. How are we going to approach it? Are we going to approach it from, well, I'm going to try to keep the law, and, and uh, you know, and if I do, I'm, I'm awesome, I'm great, look at me, and if I don't, I'm condemned, and I feel shamed, and I hide, hide what I'm doing. Or we learn how to take the good desires God has given us and to use the goodness of what God has given us to, to rule that area of our life well. To let, that, let Christ walk with us through these things and live in it. And I can't go into detail here. Next week, Pastor Luke's going to go into more detail on this and in, in, in kind of how to live a holy life, okay? But here's the essence of, of how that works. Because he gets to it right here in Colossians chapter 3. Delight in your life in Christ. Delight in your life in Christ. Again, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Like, you're headed for heaven. <laughs> Live for that. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Here's kind of this key thing. You know what? It doesn't matter what anyone else says about you if you're in Christ. You're headed for heaven. One day your glory will be revealed. Why? Because it's clear from Scripture that those God, those God saves, He glorifies. He doesn't give us up. He works all the way until the end to bring us to Himself. 
and not just as a weak, pitiful thing, but as 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 a testament to his grace. That's what he's doing in your life. And yes, it's awkward at times. And yes, it doesn't, it's, it's challenging at times. But when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is, this is where you're headed. If this is where you're headed, then he's going to say, get rid of the earthly things. Put on the heavenly things. Like, this is how you need to live now. I, I was trying to think about, again, how to illustrate this. And... My best illustration of this for myself is um, running with my wife. I, I, I know I illustrate running sometimes, and you guys know that I have this. In a sense, I, I, I kind of love running, and I don't. But the reason why I, 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 when I was growing up, I was a soccer player, which meant um, you didn't run just to run. You ran to actually accomplish something. Just saying, you know. But, you know, being now a husband to my wife... She's, she's a runner, and, and she wants to me to take on the same identity as a runner, okay? So, so to love my wife, I'm taking on this new identity as a runner. Do I, do I enjoy it all the time? To be honest, no, I don't always enjoy my identity as a runner yet. But there are some cool things. Um, you know, before, I had, getting, getting anything more than just the basic tennis shoe, you know, $50 tennis shoe that was just like, run of the mill, you know, just to keep food, you know, a shoe on your foot. I couldn't justify anything more than just putting a basic tennis shoe on my feet. And now my wife's like, no, you need the $110 tennis shoes. I'm like, 110 Man, that seems extravagant. She's like, no, you're a runner, you know. People who run, they need nice shoes. I'm like, oh, cool. I like this, you know. I like nice shoes, you know. And then, and then I've got this watch here, you know. She's like, you need something that'll help you, you know, Keep track of things when you're, when you're running. You can know how long you're running. You know how many calories you burn and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, but I can't justify buying a watch. You know what I mean? That's extravagant. Like, who needs an electric watch on your wrists, you know? She's like, nope, you're a runner. This is what runners do. You know? The, but the most, the most joyful thing about being a runner with my wife, okay, is the fact that she doesn't care how I perform. You know what I mean? She can be... Two blocks ahead of me, running, you know. I can barely see her. But she doesn't care. She's just glad that I'm running with her. Why? Because, you know, some guy tackles her and, you know, tries to kidnap her along a gravel road. Like, I'm two blocks back at least. I mean, she can hold me off, hold off for a minute or two until I get there and slam up to the ground, you know. She's, she's glad I'm there, you know. She, she, she's, she, she rejoices that I'm working at it. She's like, you know, work on your form a little bit, but it's not a big deal. Just keep, keep trying. It's not okay, you know? You're good. She's, she's just happy I'm doing it with her, you know? And when it comes to Christ, Christ relates to us like that. He's like, you know what? We're headed for heaven here, you know? You, know, you need some more things than what you thought you needed. You need some new clothes. You know, what you thought you needed before to survive, you don't, you know, no, 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 that's not good enough. But most of all, he's just glad we're walking with him. And he's like, you know what? I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. We're going to walk all the way to the end to get to heaven. Because that's who we are in Christ now. We have died to this world. We have died to sin. We are alive to him. This is who we are. 
and as Christians, we struggle with it, just like I struggle with it, right? I struggle to accept the fact that just I can walk in the love of Christ, and I don't have to feel condemned and ashamed. I don't have to be like parading myself in front of other people saying, look how good I am. Why? Because I have Christ, and I can live in Christ. And Paul puts this all in here before he gets to the end. Why? Because if you don't understand how to live in Christ and walk in Christ, when he comes to you and says, well, you need to for, you know, put on forgiveness, and you, you need to put on love, then you put it, you'll put it on like it's law and not like it's grace. And so you think, well, Christians forgive, so I better forgive, you know? And if you don't feel like forgiving, then you feel, I'm a failure. I must not even be a Christian because I don't feel like forgiving right here. You know? And, and, and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to promote peace, but there's no peace right now. I must be a failure as a Christian because I can't make peace happen in my world. No, these are things that we put on because we have Christ. We realize God, Christ is working these things into our lives. So you can either approach holiness from a law relationship or a living relationship where you realize I'm in this living relationship with Christ. He loves me. He's going to come alongside of me. He's going to work on my weaknesses. He's going to help me to see how great it is to walk with him. He's going to keep, keep me focused on where we're headed. We're headed, we're headed to heaven. And therefore, we need to delight in our life in Christ. Another way of putting this is Again, to be a part of Christ's family, to be a part of Christ's family. Again, just to kind of tie it into the whole, right? Because again, Paul's kind of t balancing things out. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. It's like, isn't it great to be a part of the family of God? Christ's family here. Again, notice how he's going to weave thankfulness all through these next verses here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're moving from law, like condemnation, to wisdom. How do, how do we work this out? How do we do good to others in the midst of living through life? We're moving from sacrifice, where I've got to perform certain things and do certain things, to song, <laughs> singing with gratefulness in our hearts to God, right? Because because this is who we are in Christ now. We're seeking to live wisely and live joyfully because we're walking with Jesus. And of course, in whatever you do, this is kind of his, he's, he's moved, he's, he's, don't get taken captive by the law, and his end kind of ex general or exhortation is whatever you do in word or deed. Do everything in the name or in the authority of, right? This is like you're, you're living under a new authority. It's not the law. It's Christ. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so my kind of encouragement to you, right, is do you, are you relating to God and others based on this? That it's not law, like, if you don't do this, you're condemned. And it's, but it's based on Christ. In fact, you know what? I, I've messed up. I, I have messed up. But I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. And I'm, I'm learning how to do that with wisdom. 
trying to figure it out as I go along here by listening to others, listening to the word, seeking to trust in the Holy Spirit's work in my heart and life, having my heart changed so that I love God. I delight in walking with him. This is the kind of, when we talk about being a scripture-focused family in this church, when we talk about family, this is what we're talking about, that we're a family that's based on that kind of relationship. It's not a law-driven environment where if you mess up, you're beat down. It's a family where we love one another. We seek to have wisdom about how to, how to do that well with one another. And so just in, in closing here, just two questions for you. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never really started that relationship with Christ. It's, it's, or maybe you've been basing your relationship with Christ just on the law. Like, well, I know that if I mess up, Jesus is going to be mad. <laughs> He's going to come down on me. Or do you have a relationship with Christ based on the fact that he died for you and rose again? Like, if I mess up, I know he died for that. If, if I, and I'm now placed in a position where I can actually say no to that and put on the right things to do. Why? Because Christ is with me. He's, he's dressing me up again. He's giving me that watch. He's giving me new shoes. I've got, I've got resources that I never had under the law. So do you have that relationship with Christ? If you don't, it's as simple, frankly, as remembering Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you received the gift of eternal life through Jesus? Have you accepted that he died and rose again for you? And that does change you. It puts you into this environment of grace. But what a wonderful place to be. Have you done that? And the second question is, will you walk with Christ? If you have that relationship, will you walk in it? We all get tempted and lied to. We deceive ourselves, frankly. By living according to the law. By saying, you know what? This is how I need to live. I need to base all of my stuff on it. Whether I'm, you know, God, God, I'm doing everything God wants me to do or not. And it's not like we don't pay attention to that. It's just that it's, it's not based on the law. It's based on, you know what? Man, if I'm headed for heaven. Is this helping me get to heaven? No, I'm going to get rid of it. You know what I mean? I don't want it. Will you walk with Christ? This world is all about laws. How many laws can you keep? The way you dress, the language you use, the political party you favor, the, the way you, you know, do your life. All of these are just laws. And you're condemned if you keep them. And you're, you're, you're okay if you keep them. You're praised if you keep them. And you're condemned if you don't. We are called to walk in Christ, to walk with Christ, to abound in thanksgiving because of what we have received in Christ. Will you live in that? Will you walk in that? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this both warning from Paul as well as encouragement from Paul to remind ourselves what we have in Christ. Christ died for us he rose again for us. He delights to walk with us. If there's someone here who has not accepted Christ, who does not have that kind of 
gracious relationship on, with Christ based on his death and resurrection on their behalf, I pray that they would come to that even today. They would call out and receive the gift, that free gift of eternal life that comes simply by recognizing our sin, recognizing our need for the death and resurrection of Christ and asking for that to be applied to us. Lord, for those of us who have that relationship, may you keep us, just like the Colossians, from not getting deceived by the law, not living according to rules, but living in Christ, walking with Christ, because he died for us and rose again. We thank you that you give us that opportunity. We thank you that our home is in heaven. We thank you that our life is hidden with Christ in God. That, yes, the story's not done yet, and we look at our lives sometimes and like, what's going on? I don't feel like I'm making any progress. I feel like I'm a failure. And yet, you are not done with us. You are hiding us away in Christ until one day you come again. Lord, may that day be soon. In your son's name we pray.